Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. God made man upright, the Bible says. So Isaac is going to play a note that denotes God, God's truth and perfection, okay? Can, have any of you ever uh, sung in a choir? Or you've sung and, and you heard like a, a, a pitch, a, a key pipe or something, so you got it all on the same note to sing together, maybe a cappella. And that's kind of what this note is going to represent, is God's truth through the ages as represented in the Word of God, God's truth. Humans, a lot of times, get off key. You ever notice that? Uh, when I sing, I many times get off key. So he's not going to have that real loud or really audible the whole time, but just know that God's truth is eternal. It's always been there. And God made our grandparents perfect. God made man upright. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7.29, Lo, this have I found, that God made man upright. There was a standard. It was perfection. Our grandparents were, were pretty cool people until something bad happened. And here's how the Bible represents that in Ecclesiastes 7.29, the rest of the verse. But they have sought out many inventions. When I was 17 years old, I took the ACT and sent those results to a number of schools. One of them was University of Wisconsin at Madison. I had a partial scholarship, academic scholarship, to that school and many others around the country. And I struggled for about a year. What should I do? Should I go to Bible college and throw my life away? In my mind is what I was thinking. Or should I seek out an invention? The invention that really caught my, my attention was the Acura had just come out with this, its NSX. How many of you know what an Acura NSX is? Classic car now, 30 years ago, it was the coolest thing on wheels. And I had a plan to go get a PhD and make a whole bunch of money. And I rationalized with God for a long time about this decision. Because I hate wasting stuff. Most of all, I hate wasting my life. And I didn't want to throw my life away doing something that seemed like I was going to be poor the whole time and something that was going to be hard and something where I wouldn't have much retirement and I wouldn't have a five-car garage on the hill and I wouldn't have a lot to show for it in terms of material uh, fruit. But what I eventually came to realize is that by seeking out an invention, I was deviating and he's playing a key that is dissonant with God's standard. God's standard goes forever. God's standard has always been there and will always be there. God made man upright. We've sought out many inventions. And by God's grace, by talking to people like Pastor Dan late at night, saying, hey, I really want to go do something significant with my life, and I'm not sure going to Bible college is a significant thing. <laughs> you with me? God convicted me that I'd be throwing my life away not to follow what God said. 
he convicted me not to seek out the, this invention. This story is very personal for me because, because not only is it, is it my story of my life of, of God convicting me not to throw my life away by inventing some other plan. Well, here's what I told God. I want to make a lot of money and tithe. How's that? I wanted to do a hybrid thing. I wanted to do God's will my way. And God just looked at it very, very unimpressed. Like he never once came back to me and said, big old high five, Neil, that was a great idea. I wish I had thought of that. I'll put my stamp of approval on that. He never did that. Instead, he asked me to wholly, unreservedly do what he wanted me to do, and I certainly don't regret it at all. I was looking for a visual way to represent this, but the best thing I could come up with was an audio representation. So you're going to hopefully hear a nice tone most, through most of the service today. That's the standard, God made man upright. But periodically, you're going to hear some minor dissonant chords that just don't fit. And this is what mankind does when he goes against what God has to say or tries to improve upon what God says. Let me ask you a question, and please give me an audible answer. What do you have when you improve upon perfection? There's no such thing. So God telling me to do something and me handing it back with new improved written on it, it doesn't exist. And so God just said, no, I just do what I wanted you to do from the start, and let's go back to that original tone. This is what I want you to do. And that's what exactly is God is doing for all of us. It's written in a book called the Bible, and it's the guidance for every single one of us. I started with Ecclesiastes 7.29, but I want you to look at Proverbs 19.21. This is our main text verse for today, Proverbs 19.21. I encourage you to, to write this down, uh, circle it in your Bible, because this verse has been a huge help to me in my life, and I was very impressed that I should share this with you today. Speaking of inventions in Ecclesiastes 7.29, here is what the Bible calls a device. There are many devices. The word means a plan or a connivance. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that tone that's always there, shall stand forever. I'm 50 years old. I can't believe it. I got married 30 years ago today. Whoa, time went fast. I have a 28-year-old son and a 25-year-old daughter that's here. Well, how did that happen? <laughs> Aren't they in the nursery? <laughs> life goes really fast. And when my life is over, all that's going to be is God's standard, his tone is still going to be going. And whatever I did in this life, either I added to it by living my life in harmony with that frequency, or choosing to allow a device, a, a connivance, a plan in my heart that is anti what God wants and working against him. And I decided there's no way I want to live my life going against what God wants, because in the end, he wins. And what I did is I, I, did a, I did several thought exercises that I encourage you guys to do. Let's say you, at this point in your life, you go do whatever the thing is that you think is an improvement upon God's will, and you go do that to your heart's content, and you wind up the richest person in the world. When God makes a new heavens and a new earth, and he burns up this one, is all the stuff you labored for going to burn or not? Be logical about how you think, okay? 
my title today is Tuned to Truth. Tuned to Truth. You can have a lot of plans, but are they worth having? And the way you find out is, are they in harmony? Are the waves going together with the eternal truth of God's word and his perfection? You need to answer that question. For all of us, we need to answer that question every single moment. God said, here's a tree, don't eat the fruit. Adam and Eve listened to Satan when he said, God's holding out on you. I have a better plan because he doesn't want you to have all the good stuff, but I do. Hmm? But the problem was, in their day and in their age, God had already given very specific commands, don't eat the fruit. They could have listened to the tone. They could have listened to the truth and developed their decisions in harmony with the truth, or they decided to do dissonance with the truth, right? And we can all do that in every single moment. We have the opportunity to, in a sense, undo the fall by living in harmony with what this book says. We can do that. You can do that. I can do that. Why? Because God gave us the Bible, and it's so important that we live by its truth. How about this? God, after the flood, said, multiply and spread out. And Nimrod at Babel said, no, let's stay here and build a tower and become floodproof. Hmm? And so then dissonance, again, entered the, histor the historic story. Because we thought, humans thought, well, that sounds plausible and reasonable, and they got pretty far on it until God confounded their languages. God says, only worship me in this new Jewish temple. And Solomon says, that sounds great to start with, but then afterwards, let's build temples for my hundreds of wives and let's go worship their gods too. Dissonance entering the historic record. Whether you and I like it or not, we're weaving the story of our lives, whether in harmony with what God says or in dissonance with what God says. And every day and every moment, you're making a decision. Am I going to live in harmony with God making me upright and giving me guidance in his word? Or I'm, am I going to improve, improve on what God wants and do it better than he said? There's no such thing as better. That's an illusion. Hmm. God says, my son is coming to save the world. And King Herod says, let's kill him and solidify my power. Did Herod check with the, the tone of truth the voice of God that's going to live and abide forever, did he check? Or did he just say, I'm going to do this because I can? And that's what we have to choose every moment, too. It's easy to look back on these people and say, wow, they were dumb. I'd have never done that. Really, what are you doing in your life today? Mm. New Testament Christians said, we sold our land and we gave everything. Ananias and Sapphira said, let's keep back something from ourselves and claim we did the same and gave it all. And God says, you guys are both dead because you lied to the Holy Spirit. They chose, they, they had the tone to, to, as a reference, they had it as a reference, and they chose to live in dissonance, discord, instead of in harmony with the truth of God's word. How are you toning your life, keying your life to truth? I pray you are. My family has been seeking truth for generations. My grandfather, <clears throat> he laid out railroads and bridges for the British government in Persia and in India. And when we've traveled doing missions work in India, I've looked out at bridges that we've, been cro that we've crossed 
on trains that are 100 years old and wondered if my grandfather laid that bridge out. While he was there, he picked up a form of Zoroastrianism called Mazdazdan. I don't know much about it. I still don't. I googled it this morning, and I was very disappointed with what I learned. I'm going to read some of that to you today because it's my history, but it makes me really sad that this is what my grandfather thought. Mazdazdan is a neo-Zoroastrian group founded in the United States between the two world wars, which claims somewhat controversial controversially to represent a genuine Western branch of ancient Zoroastrianism. Their founder uh, came to be late, later known as this long, funky name that I won't read, who was born in 1844, probably in Tehran, to a Russian father and a German mother. His place of birth was later disputed, and nothing certain is known about his life until he surfaced, surfaced in 1990 in Chicago, which happens to be where I wound up to go to Bible college. There he claimed to have been initiated into a mysterious Zoroastrian order whilst in Iran or Tibet, and this order, according to him, taught him that some 3,000 years before the coming of the prophet known as Zarathustra or Zoroaster, another prophet named Anyatita came uh, later to be worshipped in Persia as a goddess by the same name, spread her teachings from Tibet to the Middle East, Egypt, Greece, India, China, and even pre-Columbian America. Her teachings thus form the basis, according to this religion, of most world religions, including Christianity, since the three wise men taught them to Jesus' family. No, what? This is not what happened, but this is what some freak who designed a religion told people, and my grandfather believed, apparently. Thanks to Zarathustra's revival of these ancient teachings, uh, this original religion of the world is now available again in its most pristine form. Oh, really? Crucial to Mazdazdan philosophy is the idea of converting earth into a garden again where God would converse and cooperate with humans. You ever notice about false religions, they pull just enough stuff out of the Bible to be like, oh, that sounds plausible. You guys have heard of the religion that started in a volcano when a jet crashed? If you haven't learned about that one, uh, it's kind of fun. You actually think this stuff, yes, and you pay a lot of money to get clear. Yes, you do. So my grandfather liked the Ten Commandments, and he liked the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, the Sermon on the Mount and the Ten Commandments is good. He gives a little nod to truth. But let me ask you a question. When you have something that is 99% truth but 1% lie, should you believe it? He believed something that was 99% lie and 1% truth. He believed it. My grandfather or my father grew up disillusioned and went out into the high desert of California with his Bible looking for answers. He was looking in the right book, but you know how far he got? He got through five books, and he came home and had us start worshiping God on Saturday and calling God Yahweh and keeping the Jewish feasts and not eating bacon, which was the biggest downfall of my childhood. <laughs> I applaud him for getting the right book. I wish he had kept reading till the book of Galatians. Because you have a pastor at Dayspring Baptist Church that teaches you the whole counsel of God. He didn't just stop after five books and plant a flag and build a religion. No, your pastor 
believes that he's not the standard, he believes this book is the standard. There's a tone that goes through that was here before this building was on this property and that will still be here when this building is long gone and forgotten. But the eternal good that's being done in this building is in harmony with the truth of God's word and therefore it's eternal and it matters. And what you're doing is huge. It's the biggest thing that could ever be done. It's taking the pure, simple gospel to a lost soul that has no other hope. They're going to drown without it. And when they trust Christ, they're going to have the opportunity to join you in living in harmony with the truth of God's word. How awesome. I've been on a multi-generation quest for truth. And I've found it. I've found it in the teaching of, of people like Dr. Scudder, he would say, it's not my teaching that matters, it's this book that matters. He would say, it's not what I say that matters, it's what God says that matters. He's a, he was a wonderful person, and I miss him every day, but he would point to the truth, and he would say, that's the standard. And if you will yield to the Holy Spirit of God, he will design your life, the fabric of your life, he will weave it in harmony with the truth. And what you do will last forever, and it'll matter. And instead of being some insignificant loser born in 1844 that designs a religion that's a lie, that a global guy looking for truth falls for and becomes my grandfather, passes it down, and leaves his son searching for truth in keeping the Feast of Tabernacles? Are you kidding me? There's no hope in the Feast of Tabernacles. Yes, it's a picture of Jesus. But Jesus has come. Stop hugging his picture. Amen. You have an opportunity, Dayspring Baptist Church. I'm a little worried about you guys sitting in that section because when I lifted that beam into place, the other guys that were here uh, were still eating lunch, and I was so anxious to get this thing built that I went over and lifted that beam into place without anybody here, and it bumped the other beam, and there was a little crinkle in that beam. I'm a little worried about you guys. This building is going to be here for a long time doing a lot of good. But long after this building is gone, the eternal goodness that, that happened in harmony with the truth, it will be, the Bible calls it gold, silver, and precious stones. Here's my question for you guys. Are you going to live your life for gold, silver, and precious stones, or are you going to build your life for wood, hay, and stubble? If you are dissonant or disc, at discord with what God is, is teaching in his, his book, you are going to be in a world of hurt when you stand before the Lord and you give an account for your life. This life is really, really short. Julie and I sent our kids to Dayspring Bible College, or we asked them, we suggested they go there. We did a beautiful thing. We moved out of the little incubator that is Quentin Road, good incubator. I've hatched lots of chickens. Incubators are great. You can get 100 chickens overnight. It's pretty awesome. Then you got to feed them and keep a cardboard light, you know, car cardboard box and a light on in there and little things for them to peck and pretty great, but you don't want to be in the incubator forever necessarily. They're training leaders to go out. Dan went out. I went out. 
Um, but we took our kids away from this happy place, and the, the thing that they couldn't wait to get back to was the happy place. We took them off the teams that they had grown up in and their friends, and so they couldn't wait to get back there. Here's what I know. I'm so happy I went to Day Spring Bible College. Um, I'm so happy I went to Day Spring Bible College because if you think that you can get away with raise, investing your, a lot in, in education in your kids and then sending them out for the world to finish the education, it's like we're going to have harmony here and then I'm going to send you out there where the waves don't mesh with truth and it won't matter. The child will be able to resist the lies. And my question for you is, is it worth risking future generations like, like me? I wish my grandfather had made better choices. Is it worth sending your family into generations of confusion because you have an idea of improving upon what God says and doing something that doesn't line up with Scripture because you're so smart? I, I, I don't pastor this church. I'm going home this afternoon. <laughs> I don't have to care if you like me. I do want you to like me. But what I want you to like is, is truth. That tone is always going to be there. And if you build in harmony with the tone, you're going to have something significant. If you build in discord with the tone, you're going to have wood, hay, and stubble, and it's going to be ashes at the judgment seat of Christ. I love you enough to tell you that's a bad idea. I'm so happy both of our kids did what God asked them to do. The question isn't whether it's day spring or not. The question is, do you want to do what God wants or not? That's really the question. And if you don't want to do what God wants, it doesn't matter where you send them. So can I encourage you to let God's word check the tone in your heart? You tune yourself to it. It's the eternal standard. Not you, not me, not Pastor Dan. The eternal standard is in this book, and if you live for it, you will be so happy you did. And if you didn't, if you don't live for it, then you will not. This church sounds like, in my, when I walk in this church, here's what it sounds like to me. It's, it's happy. It's a bunch of happy people. Let's just pause for a moment, and here's what I hear when I walk in Dayspring. What are the happiest sounds you got, Isaac? That's about it? I thought you were happier than that. That's why I was nervous when he said that, because I was like, wait, is this part or is there a lot of... Oh, this is as happy as you can get. Yeah. And you notice that's in harmony with that note that's been playing the whole time. By the way, the Bible teaches dispensationalism, Sometimes God changes the tone. I'm not sure if he's going to be ready for this, but I'm going to move it to whatever key I want, and you're so good at music that you can just play something that matches, right? Okay. The children of Israel were going right along, and God said, oh, change of tone, same God. But the Pharisees had a real issue with the new, the new change, and they didn't accept it. Can I encourage you to be really flexible? God works in different ways at different times, and whatever he says the new tone is is what you should key yourself to. Hmm? Y'all with me? Are you adapting to the new tone? It's taking you a little bit. Yo, you're there. You're there. See, be as flexible as Isaac and just jump to the new thing. He didn't select the new tone. I did. 
<laughs> you don't select a new tone, God does. Y'all with me? There's two things that last forever, the Bible says in Isaiah 48. The word of our God shall stand forever, but 1 John 2.17 says, he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I want you guys to have something that lasts forever. Our main text verse, and I am, feel like I'm just getting started, it, but it's not, I'm not getting started, I'm ending which kind of makes me sad because I love you guys and I'm having a lot of fun. I'm so happy this building is built. I was here when they were paying $1,000 a day to keep the, it heated so the concrete could dry. You know how much courage your pastor has? Do you, do you know how much you should, you should seek godly counsel when you make decisions? You know why? Not because Pastor Dan has all the answers, because he probably doesn't. I don't think he does, and I don't either. But the night before bear season ended in Minnesota, Julie was trying to get a bear I bought a 30-06 and sighted it in without hearing protection. I can't hear anything. Haven't been able to hear anything for over 30 years. Sometimes you need somebody else to help you know what something sounds like. When you get godly counsel, you're asking someone else, hey, am I tuned to the right frequency? Is this decision in harmony with God's will or is it dissonant? Seek godly counsel because you need it because you can't always hear and I can't always hear. That's why you ask someone else that can hear good spiritually, hey, is this the right key? I'm going to share my text verse with you and share the gospel with you and wrap up. Proverbs 19.21 There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. You might think you're doing the greatest thing ever but if it's out of harmony with God's will, it's not the greatest thing ever, and it's not going to last, and it's not worth doing, and you shouldn't waste your energy and stop it. So get tuned to the Word of God, and don't think your thoughts matter a lot, because they don't. God's thoughts and ways are higher than your thoughts and ways. Get tuned to His thoughts and ways, and do that, and go whole hog that way. Do it with all your heart, tuned to the right thing, in, in harmony with God, because then it'll matter forever. Christ died for your sins and rose again. The moment you trust him, he saves you forever. I've read the Bible cover to cover dozens of times, and here's the message of the Bible for a simple boy that grew up chasing armadillos on the Caddo River in Glenwood, Arkansas. It's got to be simple for me to understand it. The message of the Bible in eight words is Christ died for our sins and rose again. The moment you trust him, he saves you forever. That's the most harmonious thing you could possibly do is get aligned with God. That's how it all starts, by accepting that Christ died for your sins and rose again. You do that in harmony with him. Congratulations, you have eternal life. Now you have the opportunity to build a life that, is, that makes sense. It's in harmony with God's will. He reveals it right here. It's not a mystery. Just soften your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, my heart comes up with lots of devices. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. And what I do, I want to be in harmony with your counsel that will stand forever. Isaac's going to keep that tone playing as I walk off the stage because I'm going to walk out of history and not be here anymore at some day. But God's truth is going to go on. very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 
404-502-4092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.